Hi there. Joining me this week is Marina. She is an attorney, a yoga teacher, a skateboarder, and she has some really great ideas about how to blend her law practice and the yoga studio. They have a building with their law offices as well as a space for a yoga studio downstairs. And so she's been crafting this whole environment to have one support the other. And it's really incredible what she's doing. Take a listen. You'll also find out about the fact that they have a law trailer that they take to talk about law, to give people information. And she and her partner have a great approach. And I was just so impressed with what they're trying to do to take away some of the stigma around needing a lawyer and what to do and how to navigate the system. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation. And thank you for listening. Stories. We all have them. They're the compilation of your journey from where you started to how you ended up where you are today. Titanium Blonde is all about sharing women's stories. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, and everything in between all of that. I'm Sherry Eckert. This is Titanium Blonde Talks. And I'd like to know, what's your story? Good morning and thank you for joining me for another episode of Titanium Blonde Talks, the podcast for women, about women, sharing women's stories and their wisdom. And I am so happy to have you back joining us again this morning. This morning, I am welcoming someone who is an attorney, but not the traditional cookie cutter attorney that you would expect. And I was introduced to her through Brittany Hugenboom, Synergy Soul, who you've heard from several times on the podcast. And so I've asked Marina to join me today to talk a little bit more about her. So let me do a quick little intro for you guys this morning. Coming from a family of entrepreneurs, I knew that having a boss was never an option for me. On top of that, my hippie spirit was never satisfied, planted in one place for too long, or fitting into societal norms. I've spent most of my life traveling the world, and my passion has always been meeting people and immersing myself in different cultures. She is an attorney. She's the daughter of volunteer police officer who sparked her interest in understanding why people do the things that they do. And that she thinks is what led her to law school and ultimately to criminal defense work. She's done some really great things with getting certified in yoga to teach yoga and incorporating a part of her yoga business into the same building where her law practice is that she shares with her partner. So I'm going to let her give us some more information about how all of this came to be because I'm incredibly interested because she serves a segment of the population that I think is underserved, those that normally have a history of drug abuse and mental illness. And that's a subject that's near and dear to my heart. My daughter also works in that field as a drug court therapist. So I'm really interested to hear what Marina has to say. Thank you for joining me this morning, Marina. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to speaking with you. I am just so happy that we were able to put some time together because it sounds like you have a really busy schedule. Yes, things have been pretty busy lately, but it's all in a good in a good way, so can't really complain, right? <laughs> there you go. So explain a little bit more about how you ended up doing what you're doing right now in your life. Um, well, I guess, where do you want me to start? Because it's been quite an interesting journey along. Well, you can start wherever you would like to. What What do you feel is the, the best starting place to start to share your story? All right. My family has been in business for a very long time for themselves. My dad has opened several businesses over the years, from a party store to real estate development building. He's currently operating a crematorium right now. So I've wow. been yeah, <laughs> a man of all, all trades. So I was pretty inspired by that in general. And I've always been very close with my dad. And he told me when I was young that I need to go to school. I need to be a professional. And that's kind of how I ended up in law school. After I finished, I worked a few jobs that I didn't really love too much, to be honest. And for a little bit of time there, I was kind of considering walking away from being a lawyer. I just really didn't feel like I had a space in that field. It was at that point, I 
decided to leave the job I was at and go explore the Criminals Defense Lawyers of Michigan, which is an organization of defense lawyers here. And they were having a big conference in a city called Traverse City in Michigan. And I got talked into going up there. And that's where I met some of the defense lawyers that I work with and have were, you know, got helped me get up on my feet, doing my right. own business. I met my partner there and we started working together as, you know, as friends at that point, just working with each other until we realized that we may as well just partner up and, and do this together. So I think that was kind of the the start point where, you know, where we started doing what we're doing now. I mean, most people don't always know how grueling it is to be an attorney. You come out of law school, you're usually low man on the totem pole. It's all about billable hours. It's all about how many hours that you're working. And it seems like my mother worked for attorneys for years. And it seems like every attorney I know, especially the newer, younger ones, I mean, all they do is work continually. And it's sort of like this grind. I don't know who determined that that's the way it needed to be in a law office is that, you know, they just grind you through the system. And if you survive that, then, you know, eventually you might become on the track to be a partner. But it sounds like what you did was like, you know, threw up your hands and went, this is really not the space I'm supposed to be in. And you have created your own path. So that's incredible that you were able to do that and to find support in the law community outside of what some people would consider a large, you know, or whatever size of a law firm that you decided to to go into criminal defense and then create your own practice. I know that you guys have morphed over time and I was just reading about the fact that you got certified to teach yoga. You did your 200 hour certification. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank and you. that you opened up a space in the building where your law office is to be able to offer a whole group of, of practices to potentially help your same clientele that you're serving with your law office. Is that correct? That is correct. We did get a building sometime last year um, in the city of Royal Oak with uh, the help from my mother. And we completely gutted the building. The upstairs is a full functioning law firm with six offices, including mine and Jordan's office. Jordan is my partner. And then in the basement, there's a big full-size kitchen and a full-size yoga studio. So awesome. That's yeah. incredible. Mm -hmm. So what made you decide to, to blend those two together? Cause that really is sort of a disparate blending. If you think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you know, I've heard that a lot over the years. I, I guess a couple years ago when we started practicing, we partnered up in 2016 and that's when Zupac law was born. We started doing the lawyer work in that field and my interest started migrating over to substance abuse and mental health just generally because you know we all struggle with things and I think that that interest kind of eventually led me here I don't know if there's a specific turning point that put me in the spot but I kind of just started telling people I was going to make a healing center I'm going to make a wellness center healing center and it basically just started as words I was telling people not really at the time realizing that it would turn into this <laughs> So it's been an evolutionary process. We ended up, I think it, it really came to light when we opened the building and when, or when we got the building and when we had the creative or the creative flow to be able to do something with the building rather than just have this, the offices upstairs, we had the space. Right. So, and yeah. you speaking those words and actually mm -hmm. verbalizing them out loud to other people is what helps when you're doing any kind of manifesting. You were speaking those words to manifest what you were after. And it's interesting to me that you're doing this. My daughter, as I said, works as a drug court therapist here in Washington state where we live. Mm -hmm. And she started out in doing, you know, mental health work, helping people that were transitioning out of the criminal justice system that had mental illness and able to give them some spaces in terms of where they could live, getting a job, staying on their meds. You know, she was involved in mental health court. And then she went to work in the jail as a release coordinator to try and help those people that were leaving contact all those services before they actually left. Mm -hmm. And that was, both of those were 
incredibly hard spaces to work in. And she thought if she was in the jail, she could actually try and change it from the inside and realized, I think, rather quickly that that was not the case. Mm -hmm. Now she works as a drug court therapist trying to keep those people from going to jail and to Mm -hmm. keep them engaged in their therapy practice and everything. Because she said, you know, some of them, they'll get a ticket for something and they can't afford the ticket and they end up back in jail and they lose their house, they lose their job, all of these things. And it doesn't help them actually to start to function better in society. And for those that have drug issues, a lot of them are because they started with oxy from some sort of an injury or, you know, a doctor gave it to them and then they couldn't get it anymore. So the easiest next thing to do was to go to heroin. Heroin is a big epidemic here in the county that we live in. Yes, and yeah, and and she said, you know, mom, she said a lot of people do not get the mental health care that they deserve because we don't have any sort of offerings to be able to help families with with people that are mentally ill or to be able to help the people that are mentally ill. And normally what happens is they have to commit a crime, they go to jail before they can get any sort of services. I'm assuming that this is kind of a part of what's behind your law practice is trying to help those people actually stay out of jail. Yeah, I think that was definitely a big inspiration, even just, you know, with my experience and my clients, I've had seeing what they're lives look like outside of the trouble they're in and how hard it is to really stay on track. I mean, courts put people on probation, but, and then they send them to these programs and these classes and then, you know, AA meetings that they're forced to go to and they don't necessarily help them unless these people really want to be helped. That's correct. I guess that's really the biggest issue. So separating from the people that don't want the help, because, you know, I'm sure you know, as well as I do, you can't help somebody that doesn't want help. But you can, you can try your best to plant seeds. But I guess focusing on the people that do want the help, having them attend services and be doing things that will actually benefit them and that they want to do, not mm-hmm. just to check the boxes. Yep. So that's I think that's really um, what inspires me to create things like that for them. Or, you know, prior to having the space to do these things, and I was working on building a team, which I still am working on now, but I started building a team of healthcare um, professionals. I work with therapists, several substance abuse therapists very closely. Um, I oversee my clients' treatments in a way where, you know, I set them up with these people. I kind of function as, you know, the connection between Right, the intermediary, yeah. I really have spent a lot of time getting to know the therapists. I have lunch with them and I get to know who they are and what they're doing because if I'm sending my clients there, I want to be able to trust yep. that they're they're doing what they should be doing there. And they also, I try to keep in mind who will get along with who, what clients would work well with this therapist or this therapist. And I've had a lot of success with that. I've sent so many of my clients to therapists and I've had almost all of them be extremely thankful and are doing very well and continue to see them. Are you working with um, individual therapists at private practices or are you working with them that they're in some sort of a a facility that provides this service or how do you locate your therapist? You know, I usually let the universe bring people Ah. to me. (laughs) Um, I met one of the therapists I work with. She, I met her at one of our events. We do this event every year called Dally in the Alley. We set up a free legal advice booth with our mobile law firm trailer and give away stickers and kind of just talk with the community about what we do. Um, But I met her there randomly walking by and we ended up connecting and uh, we just realized how much we had in common. And I've been sending people to her since. Another one I got I guess from another friend of mine who's a lawyer referred this one. So those are the two primary ones I work with right now, but I'm, I'm always looking to expand. And well, it's, it's one of those interesting things because I know that at the time that my daughter was working in mental health court, she was one of the only therapists that actually went to court to work with the attorneys, Mm -hmm. to work with the Mm -hmm. parole officers, to work with the judges And so it it just was like, she's like, mom, you know, sometimes you just have to reach out to these people. And some of them, I have to say, listen, you're starting your day with a six pack of beer. How about meeting me for a tea and let's change up how you start your morning. Right. And like you, like you said, you know, she's very well aware of the fact that you, you can't force things on these people that you have to offer them 
things. Mm -hmm. And then they have to be willing to make the choice to be there. Because if, like you said, all they're doing is checking off the boxes, they're really not doing anything. They're going to end up right back where they started from. Right. So it's would understand that on your end too, it can sometimes be a frustratingly (laughs) painful process sometimes because you're trying to really help these people. And in the end, they have to want to help themselves first. But yeah. You know, if, if you're trusting the universe to bring you therapists to work with, I'm sure that the universe is bringing you the clients to work with too, so that you can be successful. Yes, and, I think that's something that I definitely went through pretty intensely at the beginning of this practice is really being frustrated and, you know, banging my head against the wall, wondering why the, why I wanted it more than they did. But at the end of the day, it's been a lesson for me too, is to just, you know, be able to know when and where to put my services and my offerings and but yeah and you mentioned something about having a mobile law trailer is that did, did i hear that correctly yes <laughs> you did so, so tell me a little bit more about that so last year sometime my partner and i decided we wanted to be mobile and this was prior to us having the actual brick and mortar space we wanted to bring it to the events like like dally in the alley to have something tangible people could see um it's technically as functional as a law office although we don't really use it that way unless it's you know it's necessary it's more right. of a conversation piece we bring it it's set up like a mini law firm inside it's even equipped with a little electric fireplace <laughs> wow um, yeah it's fun so we take it to events we set it up we uh we mark it with stickers and we kind of just bring people in just to see what's going on and then we end up having conversations with them a lot of times when we do these events we bring in lawyers from other areas of practice that we're friends with so that people can ask them questions about things so really we're just kind of we're using it to bridge the gap between lawyers and the community. I love that because law, you know, that can be a scary thing, having to get an attorney, having to figure out the law and do all of that. And Mm -hmm. what you're doing is really making it personal and approachable for people to do that. So what kind of a trailer is it? Is it like a, an Airstream kind of a thing? Or did you, what did you, what did you end up? I'm because you know what I just love trailers and RVs and people who make them their homes and do incredibly interesting things so I'm curious about that yeah it's actually a small box trailer that we bought okay yeah and we um outfitted the inside my dad and uh, Jordan put in a hardwood floor in the bottom they installed the fireplace um there's kind of pictures up on the wall and on the outside they have have it wrapped with all of our stickers, our images. Ah, awesome. Mm-hmm. That is so incredible. That's really Thank creative. You. What a, what a great way to be able to get out and serve your community. To me, it sounds like beyond just, you know, being an attorney with billable hours, what you're really you're you're about service. If that's what you're you're doing that and then as well as this facility that you've created with the yoga and other practices. What a creative thing that you've, that you've gathered together. That's really impressive. Thank you. It's been it's definitely been very rewarding and very very cool to just be able to do this our way. I think right. that's really important to have a, if you're going to work a job, this is something you spend most of your life doing. And to be able to be ourselves and be fully every aspect of our weird is out there for people to see. And I think it really (laughs) helps bring in people who want to work with us. I think it helps weed out the people who don't. And, you know, it brings in the right clients for us. So, well, that's, I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, as you're doing all of that, you're making those connections. And those are things mm-hmm. that stand out in the community that people remember that, you know, they may tell someone else who says, oh my God, you know, I need to get an attorney, this, that, or the other thing. And they can say, you know, they can refer them directly to you. So, you know, that's, that's advertising that you don't have to pay for other than your time. And I'll tell you, and mm-hmm. all of my years of business, that's the, that's the best kind of advertising that there is, is actually reaching out and being a part of the community. Tremendous. Oh, I, I would definitely agree. It's It's been very organic. We don't do a ton of online advertising. Truthfully, all we have is a website with our pictures and our practice areas and a way to reach us. We don't, right. we don't spend money on that kind of thing. We spend money on our stickers and then we go and give those away, market to the community, talk with people. And most of our clients are come from word of mouth. And, right. just, you know, I saw this sticker. I, I met you at this place or this place. So we're both yeah. also out in the community a lot. I 
I'm a big part of the music scene, so I'm out and about a lot. I love to go out dancing. So people meet me there. My partner's a skateboarder, so he's big in the community there. He's always out posting stickers all over the skate parks and giving them away. So I think that's definitely helpful. Well, yeah. and I just I just love that it's unique and it's unusual and it sounds like successful. I mean, you have people who come to you because of the things that you're doing and the exposure that you have in the community that is is tremendous. And so I I love it when people take something that is so regimented. I just see see attorneys and law traditional law offices is very regimented and there's not a lot of room for creativity and there's not a lot of room for individual people and it's all about production, right? Production. Mm -hmm. And what you guys have really done is really managed to be able to humanize this and to be able to be there to support people and serve people in your community that probably need it more than anybody else does. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that, you know, really helps to demystify a lot of what goes on, especially in, you know, any sort of a criminal process that you that you would be involved in, you know, that that can be a scary thing, I would imagine to a lot of people. So Oh, definitely, especially if people for the in trouble for the first time or are yeah. struggling with substance abuse and that's, yeah. you know, that's their smack on the butt to let them know that it's time to work on things. I people do need counselors. I think that that's a huge, huge aspect of lawyers that we forget. Like we're attorneys and counselors, right? You know, we are the counselors. And I think that that role is something that I really enjoy. And it's something that I think I was, I was born to do. So you, you went directly into law school after college, I'm assuming. Straight through. Yep. <laughs> and then did your did your time as in, in law school and, and pass the board? Did did you pass the board on the first time? It's actually called the bar exam, but oh, yes. Yes, sorry. <laughs> yes, I did. I studied, me and my best friend studied. We basically locked ourselves in a room nine to five for a few months and we studied our bums off and we both passed the first time. Thank God, because Congratulations. I don't think I <laughs> That, that's that's an incredible accomplishment. That's wow. Thank you. <laughs> I know that that is a very intimidating and overwhelming process to go through to take the bar exam. Yes, it is. We I think it uh, changed us just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I always joke with people. Since I went to law school, I've been spending the rest of my life since then trying to relearn how to be a human being. So <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There's that aspect to it, but it's okay. It's working. Well, it, you know, it's, so what did you get your undergrad in? I'm curious. My undergraduate degree is in political science pre-law. That's, I was a poli-sci major in college too. And all of my yeah. professors were like, so are you going to go to law school? And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, my mom was kind of surprised that that was what I was doing because I kind of just decided one random day. I had originally started school pre-med and I pretty quickly realized that I was not going to be able to survive that many years of school. So seven, I guess, sounded like a little bit less, less intense at the time. But yeah, I mean, I thank you. It's definitely a thing that, what else, what can well, you do with it besides law school? I was but. a single mother of a young child and I had spent the majority of her, you know, first four years going to school to finish my degree. Mm -hmm. And I also said, I looked at him and he goes, well, we think that you'd be a really good candidate. And I said, you know what? I said, you probably wouldn't want me because I'm mouthy and I don't really like anyone to tell me what to do. And I said, and the reality is, is that I want to have a life. And that means I need to pursue some sort of a career that gives me time to be able to spend time with my daughter. Yeah. And so, and I said, and besides that, my mother works for attorneys and I've only met one of them that wasn't an asshole. <laughs> I was going to say, there's definitely, you have all the attributes required to be a good lawyer. <laughs> so, you know, I just, that was just not, I just was not willing to go to school any longer than that and mm -hmm. continue to be a poor student. But um, I loved political science. I loved learning and I'm, I'm a big history nut too. So I minored in history and, and it's just w one of those things where there are sometimes I would have to put my books down and walk away. It would make me so angry and frustrated with things that happened and decisions that were made. And <laughs> sometimes it seems very arbitrary. Is that just 
me looking outside in or do you find that there can be periods of time or things that happen that feel pretty arbitrary as far as the law goes too? You know, I think it's all an evolutionary process. I yeah. think sometimes I think that the stuff that's happening is crazy. Most of the time I try to stay out of it because it's just crazy to me. But but yeah, I, I mean, sometimes even though the stuff that's going on right now, I think we kind of went back in time a little bit. <laughs> I think we went way back in time a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I should say that's an understatement, but I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah. Do you find that you guys have a specific age group that you serve in the population or is it pretty much all the way across the board? Um, I think maybe for the most part, we get a lot of people in their 20s and 30s, but that's what I figured. Yeah. yeah, but not even just that. I mean, it's across the board. I've had clients who are 70, you know, 78 year old veteran to 13 year old kids. I mean, I guess it just it really depends. But I think the majority would say between the 20s and 30s. Well, because with a skateboarder and, and mm-hmm. you know, someone who really loves the music scene, I mean, you're mm-hmm. going to come up into meeting people that are in that younger age bracket. So I figured that was probably the yes. the base of your clientele. Yes. So tell me a little bit more about your yoga journey. How long have you been doing yoga? I've been practicing yoga, I want to say since about 2013, I think. So <laughs> <laughs> I was, it was very off and on, I guess for a while. And there was, yeah. um, I had no idea what I was doing for a few years, basically. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, that happens. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's been something that has truly transformed the way I think, the way I look at the world, the way I look at balance in my life, calming my mind, all of it. It's been very, it's been revolutionary for me personally. So I'm very, very big advocate every That's, chance I get. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's been one of the most rewarding and also humbling practices in my entire life. Yeah. I've been practicing now for 26 years and teaching for 17. And mm-hmm. everyone, I get some people who say, don't you get bored teaching yoga? And I'm <laughs> like, um, no. Right. How could you? There's so much, so much there. Every time, every time you step on your mat, it's a different practice. And every time mm-hmm. I teach people, even though sometimes it's the same group of people, it's mm-hmm. a different practice for them too. Definitely. And, you know, I will admit that there are times when I've, taught way too many yoga classes in a too short a time period and I need mm-hmm. to take a little break but mm-hmm. normally I'll take a vacation and about three days into a week's vacation I'm like I miss my students <laughs> I want to go back and teach yoga yeah. so it's one of the one things in my life I mean I've done a lot of different things in my life worked a, sort of like your dad a lot of been in a lot of different in, in different industries doing different things and mm-hmm. it's one of the one mm-hmm constants in my life that has been this this guiding force and i see yoga change lives every single day and i know for a fact it's changed mine and i love the fact that you've just blended your law practice and and that whole healing center is incredible how do you do you promote your studio i mean do you have regular classes or is it just based on need how how do you blend those two together so we have two separate Instagram accounts and Facebook accounts as well. We have one for Zupac Law, and then we have one for Zupac Life. And okay. on the Life account, that's where we post the schedule. We are running classes right now, Monday through Thursday. Um, I think we're we're kind of just testing the waters to see how the schedule and the times work for people. But I guess for right now, we're doing evening classes Monday through Thursday at seven seven fifteen, and then we have two morning classes on Wednesday and Thursday at 9.30. So we're kind of seeing how that goes, but regular classes, I think consistency is something that's important. So we yes. want to really, it's important to me to have something consistent that we're doing every week so people can rely on it. And if they want to start coming, obviously, you know, yoga is a practice. It's something yes. that you got to continue to do. So yes. <laughs> we want to make sure we can accommodate that for people. And we've also done a couple workshops um, we did a yoga balance and alignment workshop a couple of weeks ago where we brought in one of our guest teachers who has been one of my teachers um, over the years. And she taught people how to, we broke down the poses and explained what the purpose is of each pose and how to get more deeper into them, how to use the blocks and alternatives for body type. So, 
Yeah, it's, you know, I am the, the queen of what I call the toys of yoga, which is all the props of yoga. I started out as, you know, an Iyengar, passionate Iyengar student, because there's just so many different bodies and so many different capacities for people to be able to move in Yes, that I found that just making it so that it was more normalized to use props was incredibly helpful, especially for people that are nervous about mm-hmm. taking yoga for the first time. They're worried yeah. they're not flexible enough. And it's like, well, that's <laughs> why you come to yoga is to get flexible. When people yeah. say that to me, I can't come to yoga. I'm not flexible enough. And it's like, well, how do you think you get more flexible? You know, my response to people who say that, it's like saying you're too thirsty to drink water. <laughs> <laughs> And I will credit that to my yoga instructors, my facilitators. That, that's, that's perfect. I love mm-hmm. that. But, you yeah. know, and it's, it's just being able to, and I've taught a lot in health club facilities over the years yeah. because even though there are some that don't necessarily offer a really good yoga program, that was my goal was to make it as close to a studio style as possible in a fitness facility, which is sometimes hard when there's weights banging and, you know, (laughs) all of that going on. Mm -hmm. It's really, I think, so important to have good quality instruction in a health club facility because there's a lot of people that that's their only exposure to yoga. And Mm -hmm. so it's just so important to me that people learn how their bodies move through space, how their breath is influenced by how they move their bodies and how they move their bodies is influenced by their breath. So Mm -hmm. it's just such an interesting, I I could never get bored. It always amazes me when people say, don't you get bored with yoga? And it's like, no. Yeah. I understand. It's been the one, also the one constant in my life too. So yeah. It's just been, I've learned so much. I don't know about, but I've learned so much about myself. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Your limitations. What? Oh, what? yeah. And yeah. and that whole ego thing of, it took me a while as I've gotten older to be able to let go of the poses I used to be able to do, yeah. the ways I used to be able to move, the things that were important, and to be able to let go of, well, the last time I got on my mat, I could do this and this. Yes. And this time, due to my injuries or whatever it is, I can't do that. And then I would get frustrated. So it's been more about trying to cultivate curiosity in my mm-hmm. practice. And my teaching is mm-hmm. to have people listen to their bodies because it's talking to you all day, every day. We just choose not to pay attention. Yes. And instead of saying to yourself, oh, I need to do this and I should do that, mm-hmm. is what is my body trying to tell me and how do yeah. I feel about that? Mm-hmm. Instead of the shoulds and the needs and the coulds. So yes. it's been so it's been it's such a parallel to life and moving through life. It's it's exactly how you move through life and it's just a guide to help you practice doing that so oh yeah that's true that's that is true (laughs) and 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 it's all about that interior conversation which i have gotten into (laughs) much deeper with my meditation practice over the years but always for women it's that inner mean girl conversation that we (laughs) tend to have with ourselves right you know yeah I don't even yeah. think we realize we're doing it most of the time. No, no. <laughs> and to then kind of unpack that a little bit and look about how that's perpetuated in families, in religion, yeah. in politics, in society, in marketing and advertising, mm-hmm. that, you know, we get this message that we have to use this product so that we can look younger, better, prettier, sexier, whatever it is. And you have to wear a certain thing and look a certain way and act a certain way. And mm-hmm. that always rubbed me the wrong way. I, I just, that's just never been anything that I could tolerate. And I just thought, you know, yeah. well, that just makes me weird, but it, you <laughs> no, know, not it, at all. Not at it, all. It, it truly is. It's like really having to change that internal conversation of I'm not enough. I don't do enough. I don't look right enough. I don't be, I don't say the right things, do the right things and trying to make everyone else happy while you're miserable at the same time. Right. Yeah. And that's, it's definitely been a journey for me as well. Cause I know I was guilty of that. I have perfectionist tendencies and you know, I, you know, when you do this kind of stuff, you kind of, it's just part of who you are. It makes it helps you get stuff done, but really being able to put those in check and know when to use them and when to turn them off. I think it's important. 
those are important what i call those switches to be able to learn how to when to switch them on and off and to be able to move through that space and give yourself enough room to be able to really pay attention to that and and make some determinations and stop and go am i making this decision because i feel like this is what i have to do because of what i've been told or what i've seen or how i've lived my life in the past or am i making this decision because it really is about my path and purpose it really is about my sense of happiness or my sense of feeling satisfaction in who i am without having to make that be about someone else's standard, which, which can be hard. I mean, I just, I look at my granddaughter who's two and a half and I just, I want to give her all of the tools so that she doesn't ever have to go through all of that shit to get to the other (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? The shit is what makes you a strong individual. I guess you can't avoid the shit. My dad always used to try to protect me and yeah. Save me from everything. I'm like, you can't do that because no, it ruins you know, know. part of the process. But it is. you can do your best to make it as, as smooth as possible. <laughs> well, I just would hope that I can give her a good example to look at, you know, between yeah. myself and her mother, my daughter, mm-hmm. and just really give her language that she can have and understanding yeah. of things that means that she's ahead of the game from where I was because my mother never did any of that for me. That just mm-hmm. wasn't even in their lexicon from that generation. Of yeah trying to do anything like that. So come from a long line of powerful women, but those powerful women really stuck to, you know, what the little circle was that society dictated where they could move. And that just, that never worked for me. (laughs) Oh no, me too. I I see it. I can't, you know, when I was younger, I did kind of try my best to fit in. I was, you know, but I was never happy. I never felt like I was supposed to be there. And it was such a weird feeling because I didn't understand that you even, I didn't realize you could even do your own thing at that time. So <laughs> see, see that. it's definitely, I mean, I think the kids these, in this generation, this coming generation will have that advantage because we're doing the work here and now we're doing, you know, a lot of us are doing the work. And I think yeah. that does set an example and show people, you know, kids learn by what they see, what their parents do. So. Absolutely. And, you know, the more I dive deep into things like familial stories that are passed down from one generation to the next to the next, without anybody in that line ever questioning and going, do I really need to own this story? Is this really too still true of my family or my life? Or is this something that I can then let go of and move into creating what my story is that doesn't have anything to do with three or four generations ago that I can move beyond those limitations and that limiting story that Mm -hmm. has been told to me and that I just absorbed. It's amazing what we do as kids to be able to survive. We may, I I learned this listening to Mel Robbins talking about, you could grow up in a home where you didn't suffer any physical trauma, Mm -hmm. but you can still develop coping mechanisms for survival in your specific family unit. Oh yeah. That as a child, you didn't know any better or they served you at that point in time. But those patterns of behavior then move over to where we grow up and we're still using those same patterns. Mm -hmm. And because they're so deeply ingrained, we don't realize that they're really not serving us anymore. And so... It's it's been an interesting sort of last six months of looking at some of that stuff and going, yeah, I don't I don't need to hold on to that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just even being aware of that is what is all you need to do to start doing that work. Just awareness that it's maybe not yeah. maybe this isn't my story. Maybe this is a story that I'm carrying from childhood or from somebody else. Correct. And- Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how you really are able to start unraveling it and really reevaluating things. I mean, and then once you kind of see that, there's also the whole next step of breaking those habits, which is a lot of work. (laughs) Yes. Well, and I read a book called Habit, and it was about why we do the things that we do in our in our life and in our business, Mm -hmm. and how advertising and and the guy broke it down to things that you do, your brain, if you do, if you're doing something new that is a repetitive motion, 
for the first few times that you do it, you you have to really focus on what you're doing. And then the brain automatically shifts it to a space of you've created this muscle memory. Now you can start doing it without thinking about it so that your brain can then start thinking about other things. And you don't even realize that that habit has been formed because you've, mm -hmm. you, we have constantly have things coming in that we have to process and figure out what to do with, et cetera. And mm. it's incredible how easy it is to create a habit and how hard it is to break a habit. <laughs> Especially when it's a bad habit. Those are even easier <laughs> to create for some reason. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely, it's, it's our, the way our minds are wired for survival and the way, the way they need to be wired to work, but they also, yeah. you know, that works against us as much as it helps us. So we need yes. to know, you know, those switches when we can turn it on, when we can turn it off, when we need to let the soul talk to you and listen to that instead of the mind. So I think, you know, yoga helps with that. <laughs> it certainly does. It certainly does. And, and meditation, I'm getting ready to teach a yes. meditation class at the club where I work and it's, it can be really intimidating to so many people. And it's like, you know what? It's just like your yoga practice. When I talk to my mm -hmm. yoga students, you had to start at the beginning. Yeah. And you're going to have great practices and you're going to have practices that you're going to struggle through. And, and yeah. the reality is, is that, you know, you want to look at all of those as your complete practice and mm -hmm. just let go of any expectation about what it's supposed to look like when you sit down to meditate. And right. I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm working on getting some of the, the crystal bowls so that I can do some sound healing too. Do you guys do anything like that in your, in your center? Not yet, but that's on the radar. I actually have um, my facilitator from my yoga training coming. Her name is Michelle. And she and her husband use those as well as other instruments and sound baths. Um, they do massage therapy, different things. So they're coming in July to do a cacao ceremony in our space. Awesome. And that will be part of it. And they will be selling yeah. those. So I'm very excited to work with that a little bit. That The first time I've really been immersed in the sound sound healing was during my yoga training in Guatemala. And they it just kind of revolutionized the way I was thinking about things because it's medicine. <laughs> It, 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 right? it truly is. And you know, that mm -hmm. was the, the place that I learned about it too, was where I did my, my teacher training and my mm -hmm. instructor had one of those. I think it was, I think it was for the root chakra. I can't remember whether it was that or the, yeah. the solar plex. I can't remember, but okay. the first time she used that in class and I really struggled with Shavasana for a very long time. <laughs> I was one of those people that, you know, I was moving and laying there going, how much longer do I have to lay here until I learned yeah how to be able to let my body rest. Right. But the first time she used that singing bowl, I was like, I could feel it start in my belly button. And then that spiraled yeah. throughout my entire body. And it was the most incredible feeling that there was. Yeah. And so I've never, you know, I, I travel so much to teach that I never wanted to get one of those crystal bowls and be worried about it breaking or anything, but I'm kind of, this space is some place I spend a lot at, so it'll be easier for me to have it. So I'm really looking forward to being able to offer that too. Oh, so. that's amazing. I really want to come visit you and, <laughs> and do that with you. That sounds so magical. <laughs> well, and I understand that you got to go and meet Brittany in person. Yes, I did. I went a couple weeks ago to Cleveland. She's only, <clears throat> she's only about two hours, maybe. From Detroit. So yeah, that was a really cool experience because I've been following her for a few years. I think I started following her right before she made the jump to do her own thing. And right. I remember hearing her story at that time and just being like, wow, that's so cool. And I hadn't started mine yet. I hadn't really done anything on my end yet with my step. So I was just like, wow, that's so cool that she can just go do that. Wow. <laughs> Well, you know, I have known her for, oh man, five years, I think, maybe, maybe six. I met her through doing yoga challenges on Instagram. And there was, that was back before the influencers were on the mm -hmm. scene. And there was this really great core group of yoga people that were doing challenges and everyone was really supportive. And so that was how we met in, you know, in Insta world. 
Mm-hmm. And we had talked back and forth when she was still doing her, she was still doing the the PT assistant work. And I do a lot with self-massage and uh, massage therapy balls. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about maybe having me come out and do a workshop for that and just never pull it all together. But she came out, it will be a year ago. It'll be a year in September. She came out to Seattle and I actually got to meet her in person. So that was pretty incredible after all of these years of texting and talking on the phone and doing all of this to actually get to meet in person was, was pretty cool. So yeah. So you feel like you already know somebody though, in a way, but so it's just like you're reuniting more than meeting. Well, you know, it's very interesting. I had this conversation with Catherine Budig when I did her interview, and she was talking about the fact that, you know, she's got classes on Yoga Glow that people take. She travels the world and teaches yoga, and she has written books and, and all of this. And she's she's fairly out front in Instagram with her stories and her posts. And she said, you know, Sherry, she said, sometimes people feel like they know you, right? And that mm-hmm. you're their teacher even though they may never have actually taken a live physical class with you. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, it's can sometimes be a little difficult to, to, to meet those people in person. And then they feel like they know you and they, they forget that they only know a sliver of, of who you really are kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I just found that really incredible that someone who is that, out in the public with her, her life and with her teaching and all of that, that she still felt that space of, you know, I keep a lot of things that are just personal and close to me. And, you know, and so when someone kind of gives me that attitude that they really know me, she said, I, I, kind of take a step back a little bit because it can be a little overwhelming. And, you know, you never really think about that because you do kind of feel like you get to know people from, you know, social media and so but yeah Brittany and I we we connected up quite a bit there was a whole period in time where it was like we texted each other I don't know almost (laughs) every day (laughs) oh yeah she's great she really is she's such a badass I love her well and she has worked so hard to create Mm -hmm. this vision that she's had in her head and to be able to make that leap and I think it's just now a year that she left her job and went out on her own. I could be wrong, but I I think it's just been a year. And, um, so it's, I've just watched her blossom and, and just step forward into all of that and really truly Mm -hmm. be herself because when she was working, she wasn't quite as out there as she is now in terms of just absolutely being herself and speaking directly from her heart. And Mm -hmm. I'm just so proud of her and so impressed with what she's created. So, well, I'm Yeah, me too. It's inspiring. It is inspiring. And I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that as you guys get just further along with, with your healing center, that you just have this great offering for the community that gives you two areas that maybe seem disparate, but probably are really aligned with each other for what you're trying to do for everyone in your community. That's. Oh yeah. I think it's, they are very aligned. I think that people that are in trouble, and this is just my opinion from my experience is that there's usually some kind of spiritual issue or something going on that leads people to trouble. I mean, obviously there are people who just do bad things. There's, you know, obviously that's a thing, but I think for the most part, people just have other stuff going on in their lives. And this is just, the trouble they get in is almost like their opportunity to do something about it. That's the way I look at the practice. And I think the clients that come to me and the way I put myself out there, I think that for the most part now I get the clients that want to do something about it and I can help them. I can be their, their guide, their handholder, their friend. And it's, it really works well. I see, I see changes in people I see them changing their day-to-day habits, their their lives, changing their friend groups. And I think that if you're in a situation and like that, those are things that are overlooked and that, you know, you do have to make life changes to make sure these things don't happen again. So, well, and you you humanize the process from the standpoint that you see them as a person and mm-hmm. not just someone who is 
who's yeah. done something that's criminal or whatever it is, or yeah. seen them in the system or see them as, you know, a money coming in, you're actually, mm -hmm. you're recognizing them as a human being. And mm -hmm. I think that for, like you said, for people who are seeking you out, they are aware of the fact that they need to do something different, that whatever they've been doing hasn't been working yeah. and they really want to make a change in their life. And then you coming on the scene, being able to offer them not only the legal advice that they need, but the other pieces of the puzzle that actually can help them make permanent changes in their life is incredible. So what do you do to protect yourself energetically? I mean, that's, that's a lot of <laughs> outward serving energy yeah. going on. That's a good question. And it's something that I've really been working hard on in the last year or so, because I guess I didn't realize how much I was taking in from other people, but yeah. really just going back to my basics, my tool belt I've created over the years that I use, I yoga as part of my tool belt, spending time alone, spending time in nature, just really connecting with myself and making sure that I'm staying on top of my spiritual journey as well because we're all moving through that and yeah. to be able to help guide others you need to be walking it you need to be living it you need to be fully present in it so you know I spend time I make sure I take the time I need I do need a lot of alone time so I take it when I need it I go sit at the beach and read and write I journal a lot I yoga I spend time with my family when I can I travel as much as as much as I can yeah. But yeah, those are just, it's just keeping my own mental health in a good place. Yeah, that's, that's imperative. And I, when yeah. I went through my teacher training, my teacher was really adamant about the fact of, you know, that protective bubble. Yeah. And, and being able to learn to read bodies of, you know, bodies that you can approach to be mm -hmm. able to to do a, a manual adjustment on which I really yeah. am not a huge proponent of big adjustments. Usually all I have to do is just lightly touch mm -hmm. a space and someone will go, Oh, yeah. but to be able to know that, you know, if I'm touching someone, I'm taking on some of that energy and what do I need to do to take care of myself before I actually do that? Yeah. And it's, it's an, it's an art and it's something that you have to learn to do. And I think that some people are better at it than others, but that's what I was curious about because you really are in this serving space. You give and you give and you give. So mm -hmm. you've got to be able to fill that cup up. And it sounds like you have some great practices going for you to be able to do that. Yes. And then I also should say I um, I have friends that do my body work and do uh, massage therapy, Reiki, yeah. energy healing, things like that. My friends are like somehow I've manifested a, a group of other spiritual people that really help me focus and stay in tune and touch with that. So I'm really lucky to have the support for my friends and my family. So without well, I was going to say, you, you've created the support system to be able to allow you to, to do all the things that you're doing. So, yeah. and it sounds like you either created that before you got to this point, or you created it as you were building out your practice and, and bringing the healing center so that you've brought all this stuff forward with you at the same time. Because oh, yeah, this, yeah. that, I mean, I'm looking at you going, I don't know how she did all that and not burn out at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a process. I think for me, I'm learning every day. I think this it's the best teacher for me, this practice, this space. It's, you know, I realized that even though I may be able to guide people, I'm a student forever. That's yeah. something that's really, it's just, I'm always going to be a student. I'm always learning. So most of the yeah. best yoga teachers that I have come across in my life, say that same thing. I'm a forever yeah. student. Uh, mm -hmm. The curiosity, the, the mm -hmm. quest for knowledge, that, that thing that just keeps driving you forward to keep learning more and more. And yeah. I really use myself and my body and my spiritual practice and all that as the testing or the proving ground before I teach anybody else. I've mm -hmm. worked with it with myself for quite a bit before I move forward with it, because that way I know that what I'm speaking from is something that I know works for me. And mm -hmm. like you, I manifest the students who will show up and will be ready and open to receiving that information. And yeah. 
you know, and after teaching as long as I have, because I've had a couple of younger teachers say to me, you know, does it make you feel bad when people leave class early? Or does it make you <laughs> feel bad when somebody comes to one class and then they never come back? And I'm like, you know what? I believe there is a style of yoga and a teacher out there for everyone. And yeah. that my belief is that you as a practitioner need to go out and try as many different things to find the space that speaks to you. Mm -hmm. And that may change over the years. What feels good to you now may not feel good to you in five years or two years or six months or whatever it is. Yeah. But, you know, I I've been teaching long enough to know that if somebody doesn't want to come and take my class, that's not a reflection on me. That's a reflection on their decision-making and they have the mm -hmm. right to make that decision. So oh, yeah. it's so important, I think, that people keep an open mind about that and be able to feel good about making choices, making changes, taking from other instructors. And what I tell my students yeah. is, is I try to give you the base for you to be able to have a really good knowledge of your own body and what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. So that when you go and take from somebody else, that it's good for you to learn from somebody else. And even if all you learn is I never want to take from this person. Again. <laughs> so that there's yeah. always, that, that you're always taking that in and processing and thinking about, you know, somebody may say the same thing that I say, but say it differently. And you actually hear it that time in a different yeah. way and so yeah. it's important it really is important so yeah I, I mean i think that you're not in general you're not going to please everybody in this life no and or in your yoga teachings anyway no. so worrying about it is just going to cause you unnecessary stress it's yes you know, the right people <laughs> show up and that makes the space and keeps the space open for the people that you will help and i you know right. that's been a learning curve for me too in law practice and the yoga but well, yeah. and I think that you have to find your own voice, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing, I think, with anything that you do, but especially for you with, with your law and your yoga is, is that you've collected all of this information, you've been taught all of this information, and then you have to be able to use your own voice to deliver it in a way mm -hmm. that makes sense to you. And, yes. you know, a lot of new yoga teachers, they kind of pick up the same kind of speech patterns or mannerisms or whatever as their instructors. And sure. it takes a little while for you to go through and teach a bit for you to be able to find your own voice and to be able to make it your own and to, to move forward with that. So mm -hmm. it's, it's always interesting to me to kind of watch that progression as people just learn more about themselves, figure out more what they're passionate about and, and how that actually comes about that they deliver that to, to the world. So. Oh yeah. And I think that for me, even in learning how to be a lawyer and have my voice in the courtroom, um, I've been training with my defense lawyers group to teach at the trial colleges and, you know, doing that has been hard for me even just to be able to public speak and not be really anxious. I used to get, I mean, I still do get anxious public speaking, but it's the more I do it, the better it's become, but it's just, it's a process of finding your voice and being able to be like authentically speaking from a place in your heart rather than just reading the words off a piece of paper because there's a difference people can feel that even yes. though they may not be aware of why it doesn't feel right or you know whatever they they can feel when things are not authentic so being able well to they can tap in that so let me ask you this mm -hmm. so if public speaking can be a source mm -hmm. of anxiety for you does standing up to speak in a courtroom create anxiety for you it sometimes no? does most of the time no i usually I'm okay. You know, usually I'm fine talking with the judges. I understand that my role as an advocate is to be the speaker, the mouthpiece for my client. But, you know, when we go to trial, I get nervous. Yeah, the lot's on the line. So there's a, that aspect to it. It's my client's freedom and, you know, justice is on the line. And it's a very, you know, it's a heavy burden and bag to carry. But it's, it's important. So I think it that motivates me to push harder and put myself in these situations more because the more you do it, the more comfortable you become. And it's just, that's something I want to improve. So I understand that putting myself in uncomfortable situations is the only way to do it. So <laughs> well, and, and, the more, and the more knowledge you collect along the way too, so that you're speaking from a place of, you know, some, some authority in terms of yes. what you're talking about, because you've actually experienced this as you're, you're moving through your day with yes. whether it's yoga or whether it's, it's practicing law. So oh, yeah, I think it's important to study 
because of the, you know, maybe even if you're channeling or whatever, you're not just bringing these words from nothing. Like you're an active participant in that you right. do need to study and you need to spend the time learning and gaining the knowledge so you can channel it when it comes time to do so. I think that's, yeah. that's critical. Yes. I want to thank you so much for making the time and giving me the the pass that we'll, from our previous recording that we had scheduled. <laughs> Life sometimes comes up and tries to swallow you whole and you have to swim back up to the surface a little bit. But I am just so glad that we got to have this conversation because the more I read about the things that you were doing, I was like, this is so intriguing and so different and incredible that I am so happy to share your story with my listeners. And I hope that people will take some learning from this and realize that they too can step outside of whatever yeah. preconceived notions or things that people think that you have to do and, mm -hmm. and make something that's unique and different and, and follows your passion. Because that truly is what I hear from you is that yeah. you are passionate about the law, you are passionate about helping people, and you're passionate about yoga being a part of all of that on top of everything else that you're doing. So yeah. thank you so much. Thank you so much today. for letting me tell my story and just make sure everybody remembers that the only limitations are the ones we place on ourselves in this world. So just remember Absolutely. that always. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> thank thank you. you again. Thank you for having me. Have a good day.